I got this huge chart. If you brought your binoculars, binoculars, you can see I'm just going to use it for reference. I've got it on here. It's two-sided. But the, I don't think I have enough quite for everybody. So if we could double up if there's two of you. Robbie and Virginia, you have to share. Sorry. <laughs> Robbie, you get the front. She gets the back. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I got this. I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, better, better just stop on my head. Out, so as we get some of the kids, uh, try about kind of stop for a bit and pull back wide. Get the wide view. Last uh, week we talked about God's economies that He uses to operate in, and how He's uh, increased His revelation with each time, and you know, going from the age of innocence, you know, to conscience, to law, um, you know, up to the day of grace, which we're in, uh, and that uh, one day that we'll be. In eternity with him underneath God's economy where he rules and reigns and we're able to obey him. Um, and so that was kind of the, the widest view. And then we pulled it down in narrow. Let's see, we've got two more papers to go. There we go. All right, so if you're on the side that has the church in the left-hand corner, that would be the right side that we'll start with. Um, we're in the uh, church age now. And it has next to it a big giant arrow. Uh, so we're in the church age now. And so what's... How's the church age end? Rapture. So we're waiting for our Lord to come. He's going to come for us. There's going to be the shout. There's going to be the voice of the archangel. There's going to be the trumpet, uh, the trumpet blast, and we'll come up and we'll gather together. And we'll meet the Lord in the air. That's what we're waiting for. That ends the church age, and then it'll go into um, uh, the tribulation here on the earth. And now, if you follow us, we're the arrow up. If you've repented and trusted Christ as Savior, we get saved. And so um, we've talked about that in some detail. We go up the next thing. i got Jesus sitting on his throne there. That's the Bema Seat Judgment. That's the judgment. Um, I've, I've loosely talked about it in a little bit of detail. We're going to come back to that when I get done with maybe tonight. I won't say anything next week. <laughs> we'll say wherever we get done with tonight, uh, where we're going to be, and we'll go back and zoom in and get details. I'm trying to give you the overall picture. So when you're kind of uh, putting these little pieces together, you understand and you're having to think that, I guess the main thing is we have to harmonize all the Scripture together. When he says this and this, how does that fit in with this? And boy, you can't have that. And, and these are all reasons why I'm pre-trib and why I think that the, the rapture happens before the tribulation. It's because all this has to harmonize and it has to make sense. And I, I think this makes all these Scriptures fit. Um, so we have the Bema Seat Judgment. That's when he's going to try our works. Our salvation's not on trial. Our salvation was finished at the cross. When we repented and trusted him, all that has been paid for. A matter of fact... It says it'll be a time of blessing. Uh, he'll give every man a blessing. So that's encouraging. I was studying that this week and <laughs> heard that. I'm like, whoo, that's encouraging because it talks about it being a time of fire. Where it's going to be a fiery trial. It's going to judge our works. What things were made up of wood, hay, or stubble, or what things were gold, silver, or precious stones. And now only the things that survive will be blessed for. We might have a gold speck in the middle of a pile of ashes, but we'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant for that. And so uh, we suffer loss because we did so many things for here and now. Um, you think of straw. And he makes it in with the mud, and it makes uh, mortar to build your bricks, to build your house on. But it's all earthly stuff. I mean, this, we're talking about the offering that we're offering Christ. Uh, am I going to offer him gold, silver, and precious stones, or am I just going to give him wood, hay, stubble? Uh, because basically we have a blank check laid at our feet. You know, if somebody was to come in here right now and say, here, you, know, you have you know, $200 million dollars. Uh, build a church for the Lord. You know, am I going to build a little mud hut over here and say, praise God, we've got that and some money in the bank. 
we probably build a, a nice functional facility where we'll be able to use it and we'd offer him our best. We probably wouldn't skimp on anything. We'd put as much into it as we could. We have a blank check. Jesus Christ gives us and empowers us for anything and everything. And so now we have to offer it to him, and it's our motive that matters the most. Are we just going to give him the leftovers? Eh, here's a little bit of mud I'll throw on there, and there, that's all that was left over for you, Lord. And there's, I've crafted something out of sand that you could have, and that's it. That's embarrassing. We'll suffer loss, and that man, we have no crown to cast at his feet. And so it's up to us, and so then he'll reward us. And he knows how we operate, and he wants to give us good things. That's the, that's the kind of father we have. He doesn't want to... Uh, give us just a pile of ashes. He wants us to have good things, and so he warns us and tells us now. Uh, that's why at the communion time in, in the First Corinthians 11, it tells us to judge ourselves so we won't be judged on that day. You know, So we, we will have something that's worthwhile, and it's wiser to judge yourself now than to wait until then. Um, but there's a verse in Revelation, I think it's 19, that says that the bride has made herself ready. That's who we are. We're the bride of Christ, and Jesus Christ is, uh, is going to marry us in that sense. It's a metaphor, but and it says well, after the bride made herself ready, it says we're called to the married supper of the Lamb. And so that's what the guy's got the vittles right there. We're going to have the feast in heaven. You want to be called to this feast. This is good. We're the honored guest. It's where it's the banquet and it's the wedding feast. And um, you know, if you go to a wedding feast and it's and it's a dirge, you know, that's a, that's unusual. No, this is a feast. This is a happy celebration. Yay! It's been consummated. That they are together finally. You know, forever. That's it. You know, that, that's what the marriage celebration, you're happy for them. Um, when you see the couple up there, those of us who are married, we look and say, remember it was like that? Boy, remember, it renews our invigoration, how, man, that was great, that was wonderful, and boy, we're happy for them and excited for them. Man, we're gonna, it's going to be a time of feasting and joy. This is forever. You know, we, we've now entered into this covenant with him that we're, it's, it's all fulfilled. It's no longer uh, the hopes and the down payments. It's, it's all there. We have it, and we have a body who cannot sin. The next thing we're going to do, we're going to come down with him. Uh, second coming. We'll come down with him at the end of the seven years. Um, who knows how long that's going to take. We're in eternity. It could take for, Who knows how long we're going to be there, but uh, we're able to come back then. And so uh, that's where we'll stop right now for that. And so, so what's happening on the earth? Uh, we've been raptured. We, we, we go at the beam of seat and, the, and the, the marriage supper, and we're coming back down. But on the earth, time marches on. Time continues. Um, we enter into the seven-year tribulation. Uh, we know there's an identifier of, a, of the signing of the peace agreement between um, the Jews and the Antichrist. I mean, everybody hates the Jews. <laughs> why? Because God chose the Jews. I think that's why. Um, uh, uh, but there's something's going to happen that, that makes them have some value. Some suspect that they'll have oil. Because right now the Jews say out of all the land that God could give us, he marched us around the desert and gave us the one place that didn't have oil. <laughs> so, you know, they, don't, they, they think they're going to find some hidden reserve there. Some think that maybe they'll um, tap into the, how, figure out how to tap the resources of the Dead Sea. It's the lowest place on earth. All these minerals running there. Maybe they'll figure out how to do that. S- something, either it's that or just the religious reasons to try to make it um, a place where the, everybody quit fighting as part of the peace thing, the pseudo-peace that we'll have the first three and a half years. Something happens where they have this peace, and, and they trust in the Antichrist, and, uh, and it brings about hell on earth. The midpoints, the abomination of desolation we've talked on before, at the very end is where it's coming together at the Battle of Armageddon, or the Battle of Megiddo, as they converge to uh, battle and to destroy Jerusalem. They look and see Christ coming, and so they unite their forces. Instead of fighting against each other, they unite to try to fight God, knock him off the throne, uh, they lose. Uh, and so, so we go through that. Uh, that's that's the that's the tribulation. That's um. Uh, let's look at Revelation six. <clears throat> so during that seven years, you have no believers. There are no believers on the earth. Uh, I, I don't think there'll be any children. Um, 
all those, I don't want to say the age of accountability, but all those who are innocent you know, are, are taken. Um, all the believers and them are gone. So you have an adult population, at least from teenagers up, uh, and they're hard and they're callous. Then you get to Revelation uh, 6, um, verse 1, we have the seals. You know, we have the first seal. I'm probably going to jump ahead, which uh, I saw the lamb open one of the seals, and I heard a noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went on another horse that was red, and the power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. This time of peace that he promised to bring. Now they're going to be fighting, killing each other. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the beast say, Come and see. And I beheld no a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that thou hurt the oil, or not hurt the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked to behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death. And hell followed him, and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the earth. And, it's, and that's just the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We already got a fourth part of the population, all these that didn't go in the rapture. Now you have one fourth of them dead. I mean, through war, or famine, or pestilence, or fighting. They're dead, or these beasts, you know, the animals are going crazy. It's, it's hell on earth, and this is the, the good half. It gets worse after the second half. And as you go through the book of Revelation, you have all this, a third die, or this happens, or this all burns up, or there's an earthquake here, and it kills this many. It's nothing but death. It's, it's amazing. Matter of fact, Jesus said, unless those days would be shortened, no soul would survive. I mean, this is, this is, it's poured out on them, and it's usually poured out on the wicked the most because um, they're wicked. And so he's poured upon them. They're, they're crying out. Uh, look at verse 12 of the same chapter, Revelation 6. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, it was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became blood. Speaking of earthquakes, we just had one, another one, Turkey. Said it moved the town ten feet. We have one that was, slows the rotation. This one's moving the whole town ten feet. I mean, uh, I think the world would be waking up. Um, verse 13 says, And the stars from heaven fell on the earth as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken by a mighty wind, and the heavens departed as a scroll when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Uh, we, we've seen it happen in two local places. Does this sound impossible? Mm, not to me. Uh, we, we know that God can do this. He does. These terrible earthquakes. Verse 15. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens of the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? These are some hard-hearted. They know who it is. They know why it is. They don't cry out in repentance. They cry out, Just hide me or go ahead and kill me. Get it over with. This shows the heart of these people, but it's... But it's death, and just death reigns. And the death goes all the way through. The Christians are killed. If the Christians don't take the mark of the beast, we know that they'll be headed for their faith. The two witnesses are killed. We, we've looked at that loosely before. So you have a lot of martyrdom. Uh, you have a lot of uh, just war and carnage. You have a lot of people dying from natural disasters. It's just a time of death. Um, the ground shake, everything's just tore up. Uh, the whole thing's destroyed. Um, it comes to the end with this big battle that says that when it gets done, the blood will be up to the horse's bridle. I don't think that's just a paraphrase. I don't think, I think it is because it talks about even entering into millennium that when we go by that area, we'll have to stuff cotton up our nose because of the stench of it. 
Uh, the Bible gives us some de- details. It says it's going to be an awful battle. Um, and so that's all coming. Death, death, death. Let's turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, we'll jump down to verse 32, uh, verse 31. Uh, Matthew 25, 31 says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, He shall sit upon His throne of glory. And before Him shall He gather all the nations. He shall separate them one for another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. Uh, and so this is, I think, the sheep-goat judgment. That's why I've got him there. That's a little sheep and a goat. Uh, he's dividing them up. He's come down. We've come down with him. There's a lot of other details that we're going to look at, you know, that, that happens when he comes. But I believe one of the first things he does is he divides, divides them up. You're a sheep, you're a goat. You're a sheep, you're a goat. And he separates them. Um, he talks about it. He sends the, uh, cast the other into outer darkness. You're too wicked. You've gone through this. And so... We've had him now purge the earth, and so we have an all-saved population again. Uh, instead of, you know, now all the earth, all the, the lost people are, are, are gone, they're cast away, they've either been killed, or they've been uh, separated as a sheep and, and sent away. And so I believe we have all-saved people who have survived the tribulation. So they've lived through it, and they've passed it, they've, they've repented of their sins, they trusted Christ as their Savior, they didn't take the mark, uh, they didn't do anything to defile Him, they didn't get killed in all those plagues. And other, some of the people that have to be some of the luckiest people, other than they should have repented seven years earlier, um, but uh, saved themselves some grief. Uh, but they didn't, but they get saved through this, and they're soundly saved, and they enter into the millennial kingdom, mortals, people who can still die. Uh, people who don't have their resurrected body yet, people who haven't been transformed, people who will be able to have children and uh, uh, get married and populate the kingdom. See, this is a big problem if you have the second coming uh, and the rapture all at the end. Now who populates the kingdom? Who, who has all these kids that they're going to overthrow and try to take over Jesus? Uh, it's a big I think it's one of the biggest problems. And so we have an all-saved population, I believe, that they, they enter into there. We'll let's say look at all this in detail later. Um, look at Zechariah 12. Uh, Romans 11 uh, tells us that uh, all Israel will be saved. That means it's all Israel that will be left. There won't be that many. Um, Zechariah 12 is right at the end. Zechariah 12 and verse 10 says, Now I pour out upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him as one that mourneth his own son. And they shall have be bitterness for him, as one is bitterness for his firstborn. It's right at the end. You know, they 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 come to believe, and they finally believe. And it's right at the end. They look up and they see him, and then they're broken over it. All Israel is saved. And that parallels with Romans 11, where he says it's going to be that way. They're stubborn and hard-hearted, and it takes a whole lot before they get there. Uh, but we have Israel that's saved. So you have Israelites that are saved. You have Gentiles that are saved. Uh, that are both sheep, and so they're going to enter into the millennial kingdom. Who else is going to be entering into the millennial kingdom? Um, all the redeemed, I think. I think the Bible says I look at Daniel 7. So we have all the redeemed who are alive. We've just accounted for them through... Uh, yeah, it's kind of all... Yeah, they're, they're, part, they're part of the group that survived through the tribulation. Uh, Daniel uh, 7 and verse 18... And 7.18 says, But the saints 
Now, a saint isn't somebody who's dead. A saint isn't a little fat cherub with the wings that you know, hovers around about shoulder height. Uh, a saint is anyone who's repented and trusted Christ as their Savior. Uh, you and I are saints if you've repented and trusted Christ. We might not act like it, but shame on us, because we are. Uh, and so you don't have to be dead. It's not something you know, the Catholic Church uh, labels them differently. That we don't have to perform so many miracles after we've been dead, and we don't have to have a Pope vote and decide who's a saint or not. You know, that's, that's not it. It's who's ever repented and trusted Christ uh, is a saint. It says, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And so we're going to rule and reign with him. I think that's, that's us. I believe that's uh, one. I believe it's the Old Testament saints. The Old Testament saints who longed for a kingdom, who lived for a kingdom, who died for a kingdom, who fought for a kingdom, but didn't see it. It was a long, long ways off. Hebrews talks about that. Uh, Matthew 19 tells us another group. We were just there not that long ago. Matthew 19, and uh, verse 28 says, And well, I say unto you that ye which have followed me, and the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon the twelve thrones judging the twelve uh, tribes of Israel. The disciples will be there, at least eleven of them, probably Matthias uh, added in there. So those followers, and I believe that uh, these twelve get those thrones, but it also says that all those that follow me, I think that's us, the redeemed. Um, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter six and verse two. First Corinthians six two says, "Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world?" We already said the saints are going to be there. Uh, that was the Old Testament reference. Here's the New Testament saints. The saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? It says that we're going to be there. We're going to be judges. Uh, we're going to judge uh, the world. We're going to judge. Angels, it says. <clears throat> and so the saints are going to be there, like all the redeemed. Uh, we come with him from the rapture. We've come down. We've got our glorified bodies. We've already been. We've uh, uh, been to the marriage supper. We've got our crowns. We've cast many feet. We're coming down to rule and reign with him. Uh, and so, so we're going to be here. So you have all the redeemed, the, the Old Testament saints. The, uh, I think the tribulation saints we'll look at next. Yeah, problem. yeah go ahead. I don't, they, they'll probably have a prominent position, but it's, it's, it seems like all the ruling and reigning is always to those who have gone on before them, the ones who did it earlier, the ones who, who, who repented and got it right. You know? uh, these are kind of like the in-gathering, is what I think. If you take it to the feast, as you remember of uh, Ruth going and getting and gleaning the corners, here's the main harvest. The church is the main harvest. We're taken up. First fruits was Christ at the resurrection, and I believe that little handful were the main harvest. This is the end gathering. This is the last little handfuls that get thrown in there. Um, they're the lucky they're there. They're the skin of their teeth. And so I don't know that they're ruling and reigning. I think that they're just populating the kingdom. They're, the, they're there and they're saved. And they're faithful. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then and we're going to see that they're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids that are going to have kids that aren't saved. And so we'll be ruling and reigning and judging Oh, you mean they're going to the tribulation? That come out of the tribulation, say. Yeah. yeah. People that think back on, you know, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's just saying what's going into the tribulation. These are all the, 
probably a lot of false converts and stuff that get there like, what? Now they finally, maybe they understand, they pay a heavy price. Uh, it used to be preached, and it probably still is preached in a lot of areas, that if you heard the gospel now, the rapture happens too late for you. Uh, the theme in the Bible is God's the God of second chances. I mean, it's, it's, he's, always, he's always ready to forgive. He's always long-suffering. Uh, there's too much that says they are. And you can't have that much adult population. That, then none of them would be saved. It would have to be their kids, and you just have seven-year-olds enter into it. And when we don't have that, uh, because clearly they repent and they understand. They just didn't get it before. Maybe it is all these false converts out there, and then they die and they pay a heavy price, and they're saying, why didn't I get it earlier? Um, what behind books, I think, do a good job on that. They even have preachers and everything else. They're like, I didn't understand. I, I, think, I think he does a pretty good job with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean everything, but even with the harvest, it's all about. Yeah. Hey, and he takes care of the poor and the destitute and those who didn't get it quite often, the foolish and. The plot against him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they bricked it up, put a graveyard, everything else. We'll stop him from entering that eastern gate. Uh, you'll get up and move. <laughs> but uh, if it's not already moved through the earthquakes or whatever else. But yeah, it's. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, the Muslims are set up for the Antichrist. They believe in a Messiah who's coming that's. I mean, they're, they're right for the pickings of the Antichrist, just like the Jews are and anybody else. Um, <clears throat> time's sake. Oh, sorry, Peggy. I think that that's the demons. I think that it's the fallen angels or the or the demons that will catch them and, and will judge them. I get into a little bit more, but I think they're still going to be here because we're going to have Satan bound for a thousand years, but it doesn't say anything about the rest of them. And so I think we go about and we catch them, and hopefully we'll get to some verses here that I think kind of talk about that lightly. Uh, but I think the world's sitting judgment over them because the angels are already in. Uh, we entertain angels unaware, and they desire to look in things of man because they look at us and say, they've never seen God, yet they believe him. Or they were also amazed in that he died and suffered for them, but he didn't become an angel and die for the angels. But see, the angels could look at him, and they could see him, and they knew him, and yet still a third of them re- law, you know, turned their back on him and uh, uh, went away. I think they're like, if we could see him, we turn our back. Who are these? And, and so I think that we will then judge them because we did not see him. I've never seen him. Uh, we didn't see him, yet we believe. He had a kind of face. And so I think God puts us in judgment over them. Apparently, I mean, it's in more... Um, at least here he makes it obvious that we're going to, um, let's see, let's go on ahead. So I think, is that good for now? We'll get into more details later. Yeah, go ahead, Carl. Uh, go ahead, Carl's, Carl waved off for a second. <laughs> it's probably Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> if I was betting. Mm-hmm. They're nihilists, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But loving God would. I mean, that's the justice, just thing. God says, you're worth, I will keep you alive forever, and I'll give you exactly what you wanted. You didn't want me. You didn't want Christianity. You didn't want my son. But I'll, and then you will, and you wanted to pay for your own sins. That's what hell is. I remember yeah. that. The men that are, you know, in the cave, mm-hmm. Yeah, that could, that could be it too. I'd be better off dead. Uh, no, and there's a lot of fools out there right like that now. You know that. They bought the lie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They bought the lie. They bought evolution. They bought whatever. They, they bought the lie. Yeah, and it's it's been the battle. Carl, do you have something? Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's where I think he's 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 coming deceitful. It's like he he conquers with peace. That would be a lot like Europe does now. Europe's pretty much united under the euro, and they haven't fired a shot. You know, it's been through treaties and and uh, oh, you'll do this and we'll do that and we'll barter and come together. So I think it's that type thing. One of the saddest things that we'll get into during the tribulation is where's America in all this? And I think we're either the Antichrist army or we're so much of nothing because we've been put on the back burner. Either we've collapsed or. I probably think that we're probably the Antichrist army. We're probably part of those ten regions that have just been assimilated in uh, to Europe because the euro has taken over the dollar and it's grown even stronger where the, the Muslims <clears throat> and the uh, Arabs don't even want to trade in dollars anymore. They want to trade in euros, and so they're just trying to force us down, force us out, force the control over. Uh, we're not based on gold anymore. We're based on oil, and so it's just... Um, David Jeremiah has a good book, uh, What in the World's Going On. He gets into a lot of that on how that intricacies of that work. I'd recommend that to you. Um, but yeah, so it's, he's, he's conquering, but he's doing it through peaceful ways, or at least seems like peaceful ways through treaties and things. And so yeah, he's very subtle, uh, much like the serpent. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Mm-hmm. And that very well, a lot of them think that. Can you imagine America without Christians? I mean, we fight for anything that's decent and moral right now, and then where that's gone, there's no restraining agent. It'll just be given over to the debauchery that they want, and it'll be every man for himself, and it'll probably be a wasteland. Um, uh, and so, yeah, a lot of, many people think that that'll probably be part of the collapse, or they'll seize the chaos of, "Hey, they're all gone. Let's attack them now. And we'll take it." Or there's a lot of theories it could be. But. That makes sense. <laughs> so, the people that they bring to the is that the work of the Holy Spirit, or mm-hmm. uh, it, it talks about the restraining taken out of the way, but the Holy Spirit's still going to active. He might be going back. Many think it would be like more in the Old Testament days, how he might come upon them for a minute. I mean, obviously, he's with the 144,000. He empowers them and makes them go. And so the Holy Spirit still indwells a believer. It'll just, yeah. I don't. <laughs> Apparently, it's easier now than it can say than I think any other time, the time day of grace. We have the Spirit working with us. The Spirit's always involved in transformation, so he will be then too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty harsh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be hard. It's, and the loving God has just warned everybody for ever since we've had the Bible. This is happening. Prepare. Don't wait. You don't know when. Praise God, He didn't tell us when. That's why I believe in the you know imminent return of the Lord. Because if He just said a date, how many generations would be like? It's not gonna be in my lifetime. Let's eat, drink, and be married. Because hey, it's not coming. No, He left it where man, we don't know. And so every day, and so God's good, God's smart. And so I think he's left it, and he's left it where most people would come to know him, or should. 
And he's loving and kind enough to tell them. And even the lost will say every time there's an earthquake, boy, it does seem like end times he doesn't it. And then Discovery Channel will put a thousand more shows on there where they just muddy the water and put nothing up and give them no answers. But, but people are interested, so they'll go and watch. Um, all right, so we have saints judging. Let's see, so we have Israel there that they're saved, all the saved Gentiles that have survived the tribulation. The rapture saints come down. The Old Testament saints are resurrected. Uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 talks about that, how the uh, saints in the ground uh, um, arise. Uh, let's, I'm going to try to quote it. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. It says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. And that's, he's kind of lumped them both together, but uh, I believe this is the Old Testament saints. And verse 3 says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I think that's the Old Testament saints being raptured. And he's probably also looking at all of us in general. Um, if you look at Revelation 20, Another group I've mentioned just in passing, but not in detail. Uh, Revelation 20 and verse 4 tells us that all those who were beheaded, the martyrs who died for Christ during the severe tribulation, will be res- uh, into the kingdom. Verse 4 of Revelation 20. And I saw thrones, and them that sat upon, and, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which not worship not the beast, neither his image, and neither received the mark upon their forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So, that, so we know that there's another resurrection that happens here. We have our resurrection for those who are dead in Christ, and then we which are alive and remain. We have a resurrection in Daniel 12 of the Old Testament saints. We also have the resurrection of all those who died through the tribulation years. So I guess a little bit of comfort for them when they come to know him during that seven years. When they die, it's like, hey, it might only be four years, and I'll be back. And so they get to come back, and they're going to, um, I, I think they'll rule and reign with him. That's what it says there. They worship they lived and reigned with Christ. So, yeah, they're part of that because they died for him. And so we have those there, the beheaded saints. Um, so you have the mortals. So you have these who have come through the tribulation that can still die. And you have the immortals, all these who have been resurrected, who cannot die and cannot sin, too. So praise God for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. I think that the uh, when when they they dismiss on the rapture, we're going to be the bride of Christ. Israel's always been called. Anybody before the church has been called the the bride of God or the wife of God, and so it's same yet different. We're, we're all going to be the same, and so they just get their resurrected body late, a little bit seven years later than us. They're there, yeah. They're there now in whatever body that God gives them in heaven, um, but but not in their eternal body. Apparently when Moses uh, saw Peter and Jesus and, and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration had some sort of temporary body, he will get his resurrected body. Uh, Elijah will probably be changed, or maybe he was changed in a moment in twinkling eye when he was taken up. I don't know. That's a lot of other speculation. <laughs> uh, turn to Malachi chapter 2. We'll try to get a couple more things. Uh. Malachi. Matthew, then Malachi backwards. <clears throat> Malachi 2 and verse 5 says, My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them uh, to him for fear, uh, for the fear wherewith he feared me, and he was afraid before my name. And the law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and in equ- equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Now this is kind of 
telling us what the messenger's job is, what the priest's job was. It was to, it was to warn them. It was to instruct them. It was to teach them in the ways of what iniquity was. It was to teach them um, uh, how to walk in peace with God. Um, he was also the messenger of God, you conveying his message. That's our job as Christians, right? I believe that's going to be our job in the millennium. We're going to be his messengers, his kings and priests, he tells us. And so, and part of what God did with priests is that you didn't just have the ones in the temple. You had priests in their villages and towns. And the people could go. They couldn't always get to the priest. We talked about how hard that was to get in there, especially if they were serving. But boy, if you knew John the Baptist's dad and his town, and he had a question, and he's a priest, and he's been in there. I know if he'd been in the Holy of Holies, I would stop and ask him something. What was it like in there? What, what was it, God? What was it like? You know, I would ask him a lot of questions, because he's been in further than I could ever get. Uh, th- these millennium saints, uh, and, and the millennium people, not even just the saints, those who are born to the millennium saints, uh, are going to have a lot of questions. And that's where we're going to be the kings and priests. They're going to come ask us wisdom, because we, we've lived our life, plus we've been to heaven, we've been with Christ, and we have access to the throne at any time. Um, and they're going to ask us things, and we're going to be his messengers, and we're going to tell them things. And we're not going to sin, we're not going to fail. Right now he's given us the message, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we're like, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> then we'll say, yes, Lord, right away, sir. And we're going to go, and we're going to do it, and we'll do it to the uttermost. And so he puts us in where he says... Um, I've referenced it before, you know, Matthew, I'm, you've been faithful over these two things, I'll give you two cities. You know, maybe you get Trafalgar and Morgantown. You know, and you're the resident immortal who lives in that area that they can come to and say, what was it like in heaven? What was it, gonna, what was it like back when you lived? What was it like back? In, and we can answer the questions and do all that. And we, we get to go in between and, 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 and be the priest for them. We're the go-between. Um, it's kind of my job here, you know, that I'm supposed to study the Word and preach it and I'm supposed to understand the mind of God the best I can and try to deliver it and rightly divide the Word. I'm supposed to be accessible for you to ask me questions. I like it. I got some texts last night. Where are the verses for this? You know, and I got to get that. And so I get the emails and things. Send them. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, that's what we'll be doing. You know, telling them what it's like. Where's it be there? Uh, and so we're going to be those priests in that way. Look at Revelation 1, and I'll show you where it says that. Revelation 1 and verse <clears throat> 5 says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So there, right there in Revelation 1, in the greeting with, um, in the introduction here with John, he tells us that we're going to be the kings and priests. Uh, we're going to be this head over this. Um, look at chapter 5, Revelation 5. And verse 10 says, And he has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We're going to be reigning on the earth with him during that time. We're going to have our jobs. We're going to have our responsibility. Part of that is for them to come to us. For the, These people who have survived the millennium, and then their kids, who, don't, who only know Christ as king on the earth, say, what was it like when you couldn't see him? What was prayer like when you didn't get answered right away? Because it says during the millennium, I will answer before you even get done speaking. What was it like when you had to wait and you didn't even know? How many of us don't know why God has done some stuff? All of us, right? Like, man, well, I wish God helps us to understand. And they're going to ask, what was it like? What was it like to depend on Him and trust Him and Him you couldn't see? And so they're, we're going to have a lot of valuable things to teach them because they're going to have a, a different world than you and I have. They're going to be able to see Christ. He's going to be ruling on the earth. They're going to be able to see us. It's going to start out, and uh, well, it'll be, well, let's go on. Uh, Revelation 5 10. Uh, Uh, one point, one more point. Genesis 9. 
We started late. In Genesis 9, verse 2 and 3, this is right after the, the flood. It's called God setting up the Noahic covenant. And verse 2 says, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon the fishes of the sea and into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even the green herb have I uh, given you all things. It talks about putting the fear of man into animals. You know, you can't sneak up on a bird unless it's blind on one eye or something. You can't, you know, it's, it's not natural for us to walk up to wild things and be able to get next to them. They, they have a natural fear of us. Now, we can train them and get them to be close and all that. You can put a whale in a cage and treat it, and it won't harm anybody. No, maybe it'll kill three people. Um, which the Bible says, if you have an ox that gores someone, you kill it. And so that, that whale should not have killed anybody but other than the first person. That same whale's killed three people. The Bible told them, you have an animal that's killed somebody, you kill it. You don't turn it loose. You don't say, oh, it's just... A, the Bible says, you value man's life, you kill it. That's, that's a different sermon. But, uh, <laughs> but now we have animals have the fear of us, you know. Um, and so we're getting into the millennium. It's going to be good, but it's not going to be the eaten yet. Uh, uh, we're not going to eat animals anymore, but, the, but it's going to take away that fear. Look at Isaiah 2. I guess when we go to the, there won't be the zoo in the millennium where there's a, a bars in between. We'll be able to walk up to them and not fear them. Isaiah 2 and verse 4. It says, He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into printing hooks. Nations shall not lift... Uh, that's not the one I want. <laughs> sorry. Isaiah 11, sorry. I do want that one, but for later. Isaiah 11, verse 6. It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Can you imagine that? A little child going out and be able to play with a wolf, and be able to play with a leopard, and the calf, and the lion. Yeah, be able, you know, he can lead them around. You know, he's the boss, and they know that. I believe that was what it was like before the flood, and, and men abused him. Uh, but now it's going to be right. And look at... Um, Verse 7, the cow and the bear shall feed, and the young ones lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox, and the uh, sucking child shall play with the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. And the neither shall hurt or destroy my holy mountain. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and the waters cover the sea. No more fear of these animals, no, no, or the animals don't fear us. And, and that part of the curse is lifted. And so we, we're not quite back to Eden yet, where everything is sinless, but it gets back to there. Um, P.T. Bardem uh, used to have an exhibit, and he called it God's family. And he had a, a lion and a tiger and a leopard, and he had a lamb with them all inside this same cage, showing like, man, here's what it's going to be like. And a reporter asked him one time, he's like, how does that go? And he's like, well, it's, it's perfect. You, know, you have the lion and the, and the tiger and the panther and the lamb all in there. He says, it's pretty good. I just have to replace the lamb every once in a while. But it, it's not going to be that way during this time. You know, they, they, he might be able to keep them away for, for a little while, but as soon as they turn their back, it's not going to be that way uh, during the millennial reign. Um, and so they're, they're actually going to get along. We'll get along. There'll be no more um, fear of the animals and no fear of them either. Um, but there's still going to be death with people, and that's where we'll have to pick up next week. Um, I just want to... Yeah, I've got like four more pages. I'm just trying to... That's just... And this is just a foretaste. We'll go into detail of the things that we'll do during the millennium. I'm trying to show you the overview. And then, so if you bring your sheet back next week, and then we'll talk about all that stuff too. Um, but we'll pick up there about 
there's still death. I mean, it's not, we're not to the Garden of Eden yet. Um, there's still death. Uh, there's still uh, deceit. Men still sin. But I, I, I at least want to whet your appetite to it and kind of get the overall plan so you can start thinking and start trying to process why we're putting all this together and how that makes sense. And boy, you're trying to, trying to justify all these things together. Well, because already we know that there's going to be babies born during that time. And, you know, we know the verses in Luke where he says, don't you not know that you will be married in heaven? That's, my wife hates that verse. She's like, you're looking forward to it. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but but uh, that's how she twisted it. Uh, but it's, it's, it says we're going to be that way. We're not going to be procreating, but they're going to have kids, and they're going to, be, they're going to replenish the earth just like it was back before Noah. He tells them to do that. And so um, I'll save that for the end. We'll talk about it then.